What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Young Musician's Guide podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Campbell. If you're new to this podcast, this is a series of conversations I have with musicians from all sorts of different musical backgrounds and professions to give younger musicians an idea of what the opportunities are out there in the working musical field. Today, I am joined by the very awesome Pete Eccles. Pete teaches at a private school, and I thought this was gonna a really cool conversation to talk about music education, but in a different way. And Pete literally teaches everything. He teaches um, band, orchestra, choir, 6 through 12. I mean, he teaches generally all the music that you could touch, as well as like AP music theory and things like that. Um, so he teaches a ri- wide variety of things, but also not in a public institution. So I thought his input was really cool and his experience is really neat. And he also kind of gives us a better sense of what it's like working at a private school. But before we get into that conversation, I just want to plug again, I am in the middle of working for a CD project. I'm going to link down in the description down below how you can or help me fund the project um, through a GoFundMe campaign that we are doing. And it's really right now, it's kind of a glorified um, pre-order system. We have a bunch of extra incentives for anybody who happens to donate and at different levels. And it's really exciting. And once this GoFundMe goes away, so do these incentives. So at least check it out and see if there's anything on there that you're interested in. Of course, if you want to help this podcast grow, feel free to uh, comment and like and subscribe and do all those things. Also, leave a rating on the iTunes store. Um, That helps us grow. That gets us into more people's ears um, and helps us be capable of doing bigger things. Also, if you feel like you're getting a high value out of this, I highly suggest you go over to the Patreon and check that out. Um, That's linked in the description down below. You'll be able to help me monetarily cover the costs that are associated. I mean, there's just a bunch of things that go on. Just hosting it costs money, but also the equipment and upkeep for that and all that kind of stuff. And so a little bit of help is always appreciated. If you don't know what Patreon is, essentially, if you pledge a dollar every time I post a podcast it takes a dollar away from your bank account gives it to me and I'm able to put it towards the podcast Um, this money doesn't go for me for my pocket it just goes for me to help out the podcast So if you feel like you're getting a high value and you want to invest some of your funds into this please go over and check out the patreon Anyway, that's enough of the business side of things. Let's get right into the conversation I got to have with private school music teacher Pete Eccles. How's it, uh... How did the graduation and everything go? Uh, it was good, man. It was um, had a couple a couple people come in. Um, I just formed a brass quintet, and so I had two of my trumpet players come in and play. And then my uh, our lower school or our elementary school music teacher plays bass, so I just had him play for us. Oh, that's really cool. So with two trumpets that can read and a bass, I mean, you can do just about anything. And you're always kind of involving a lot of staff, too. Yeah, yeah. If you remember the teacher that played with us, the trumpet player teacher. Yeah. Um, so he did that as well. Awesome. So, so let's go. Let's go back. So you have you got a degree in music ed, right? Yeah. So when music you were, education. When you were going through school, did you ever think that you would be like what? What was the thought process as you were going through school in terms of where you wanted to end up? 
Well, I went to a public public middle school, public high school, public university. So I, I figured I would be a public high school band teacher, marching band director, probably. Um, I, I thought I thought I would really like middle school as well, but I I just assumed I would end up in a public school, and that that's where I came from. But I'm really happy that I'm at a, a private school now. So, what got you to the private school? I'm sure you would. I'm sure, I mean, you get out of college and you just kind of throw out resumes everywhere you can and apply everywhere. And was this just one that caught or? Yeah, well, you know, I, I graduated from college and I said, I'll never move back home. And and so it is back back home. But I was looking at, at things around here and I saw that that was available. And I said, well, if, if I'm living back home, that would be that actually really cool to work there. I, I knew the school. I, I didn't I didn't go to it, um, and I didn't know a whole lot of people from there, but I knew of it, and I just thought that'd be, that'd be really fun to, to be involved with them. So, and this is what? You just ended your second year there? Second year, yes. Second year. Have things been different between the two years since you've gotten your footing? Because this was your first teaching, full-time teaching gig, right? Right, right. I had, I had long-term substitute um, taught, uh, as a, as an orchestra teacher. Um, my background is band though. Uh, but then this was my first full-time, uh, job. So yes, things have gotten a little different. Uh, I mean, just being that it's my, my second year, uh, I knew what was going on. I knew who to talk to. I knew how to get results. I knew the building. So things, things only get easier with time. So what, what are all of your responsibilities? Like what are all the things you teach at your school? Quick answer is I just say I teach band, chorus, orchestra, but it's 6 through 12 at my campus. We do have a lower school or elementary school campus as well, but I teach – this year I teach 6th grade band, a 7th and 8th grade band that is combined. Um, I teach the – I taught a 6th grade chorus this year. I taught the middle school and upper school combined chorus. And then after school, I taught a, uh, a chamber ensemble, which is our, our big performing art orchestra, and then a fermata, uh, a, um, an acapella group that, that meets after school as well. So you teach music? Music. All of it. I also taught, I taught AP Music Theory this year, uh, last year, and then coming up next year, I teach a, a music appreciation with some basic theory thrown in as a prerequisite for AP. So that's kind of funny, too, because a lot of people, I mean, I remember going through my ed degree and being like, going through like string tech and things like that and being like, I'm never going to use this. This is stupid. Why am I paying attention? Like, I'm remembering that and then like, and I'm sure you probably had similar feelings going through or just frustrations or irritations. And here you are literally using everything that your music ed degree taught. Yeah. You know, it's, when, I got, when I got the job, I, I emailed uh, a bunch of my professors, but it wasn't it wasn't the ones that I was uh, it wasn't my brass professors that I was emailing. It was uh, the, the the voice teachers at the school or the the string teacher at the school. Hey, I need help. Need lots of help. Send me resources. What could I do? And would you say those are that's part of your like that was the biggest challenge coming in? Yeah, I mean, I think. I think I think in some ways it's certainly I feel like every music teacher is going to end up teaching something outside of their comfort zone. Uh, I mean, how many how many high school band directors are experts at bassoon fingerings, right? Um, how many uh, how many chorus teachers are experts at uh, baroque um, music as well as uh, super modern music? I feel like we're all teaching something 
that's outside of our comfort zone. It's just a matter of uh, being will- willing and able to, to investigate and figure out um, and, and, and get up to par with where you need to be. Oh, yeah. I mean, even like guitar classes and stuff like that, a lot right. of people everywhere. And so, and, you know, we're talking about private school, and one of the interesting things is like, you know, public schools, for the most part, I mean, they have their differences, but you know a lot of what to expect with them. With right. private schools, each one is different, and it's, and it's, you know, would you say, because you, you kind of come in your first year, your <clears> second <throat> year, and you're doing what, what has been done before you, but do you feel like there's more freedom to create your own kind of curriculum in the private school setting? Yeah, I, I think so. I think it really depends on your administrators. But for the most part, I mean, yeah, we're we're pretty free to um, do what we see as fit, and it's it's pretty simple in the music world, I guess, because it's all it's all pretty much based around your performances, and so you know, going into the job, well, you're going to have your spring concert, you're going to have your winter or your Christmas concert, and you'll probably have some sort of back to school October November sort of concert as well and so you know you base everything based off of those three um I've pretty much just gone method books from there so I know these are our concerts coming up get the literature prepared get the method books in between so we're still learning new things and continuing to work um and and make sure that the concert sounds as good as possible and how how close is your I mean, do is your because you all right? So you don't call it principal at your school, right? What is the what is the head honcho called? Uh, so every private school is going to have um, a head of school. Formally, you would call that a headmaster, but that's an antiquated term. So we we just call it head of school because it could be a female at any school. Um, and then below that, you you generally will have some sort of dean of. Um, academics or dean of uh, uh, life, student life or, or something something to that effect. So I kind of assume those to be my principals and um, my principal, vice principal. And I kind of tend to think of our, um, our head as a superintendent because really he's overseeing three schools. He's seeing the, the lower school, the middle school, and, and the high school or upper school. And you, I mean, are they super involved in what you're doing? Like, do you see them at your door frequently? Are they breathing down your neck or do you feel a good sense of freedom? Cause you're, you kind of have an entire wing of a building to yourself. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, I've, I, I did a small tour earlier in the winter and uh, Pete's school is one of the schools I played at. Um, so I, I've spent time there. I've been there as I grew up in the town that it's in. So I know the school very well. Um, and he has probably the coolest hookup in terms of, area and facilities that you could possibly have because you're separated from everybody you don't have to deal with anyone (laughs) right right you know by nature of the job they're never going to put the music class next to you know an an english classroom or something because we're just making so much noise so i'm literally the next classroom is literally a block and a half away from me which is uh kind of cool and are they do you find your administration you know kind of poking their heads in or like do you or do you feel like a lot of freedom where you're at yeah, no, I feel super supported. I mean, they, they support me so much. Um, but yeah, I do feel a lot of freedom and I can, I can pretty much choose the repertoire that, that I want to. Um, we are, we do have uh, a religious affiliation, so I do try and choose a, a few religious pieces on, on all of our concerts. 
but no, I feel I feel like I'm very free. And I had my administrator told me, you know, if, if we didn't trust you to do the job we hired you to do, then we wouldn't have hired you for it. So so I'm not, not turning what? in lesson plans. Yeah, right. You know, because we trust you, we hired you. Um, and so I don't turn in lesson plans, um, you know, every every week, like I know that some teachers at, at some other schools are doing. Um, we have we have big units that we turn in, and, and we do that before we start every unit. Um, but no, I, I do feel I have a, a good amount of freedom, and it's great. I mean, I don't. I, I, I a lot of my colleagues that I'm very close with at other schools are very jealous of, of the the freedom and the trust that my administration has for me. And do you? I mean, because I've I've seen the products you put on. It's always good products. Everybody's very happy because um, I've been a part of two of your concerts, um, and and everybody seems to. I mean, the parents and the administration always seem to be happy with it. So there, I mean, from as far as I have I have seen, there's no real reason to not trust you. And that's funny because so many, so I feel like so many people get some sort of teaching job where it's like. <laughs> Where it's like we'll give you a chance, but we're expecting you to prove us wrong, right? Essentially, and and so it's cool to hear that, like in your situation. And be it, I mean, not all schools are the same, not all administrations are the same, public or private, and but especially in private, Every, they can do whatever, you know, almost whatever they want. I mean, a lot of the teachers at your school don't necessarily even have teaching degrees, but they have yeah, degrees think- in their field. Yes, I, and I think that's pretty consistent at a lot of private schools. I think you'll find a lot of people with, um, I don't know, a, a master's or even a doctorate in English composition, um, but don't necessarily have uh, any degree in English education, yet they're still teaching. And I think I think that's a really cool opportunity here. There are, At my school, there are a handful of us with ed degrees, um, but I, yeah, I think that's pretty consistent at most private schools. And one of the, one of the things that I kind of found – interesting when we were having lunch with a lot of your faculty and um just kind of talking to people is that it seems like a, most of the teachers have some sort of life outside of school yeah. like you know you were telling me about I, I forget what subject he taught but he i mean he was like a world-renowned bow hunter you had one guy who would like go and do marathons all the time like everybody had these like outside activities that they always did but um, but they were still teachers. They weren't, but they, cause a lot of public school teachers that I know, they're just either so tired or just so busy that they, they come home, grade papers or whatever and crash and wake up and do it again. And the only free time they have is like weekends or something like that. But it seems like, right. it seemed like a lot of your staff were just like, they were allowed to be people. And do you think that's just the way the school is set up and how, how everything's working that way? Or like, and I know you teach a lot. I mean, you're teaching music down the board. So do you feel like you have a lot of the same – do you feel like you have a lot of the time, same time constraints as like a high school band director in like a public school? Or do you feel like you're a little bit more free and they're a little more forgiving with time? Or Yeah. That's, well, that's, it's such a big concern of so many people. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's great that so many of our, our teachers have outside lives and hobbies and, um, you know, our, our – some of them are really top in their field in, in this sort of thing that has nothing to do with, with education. Um, speaking for myself, um, I think I might have a little more spare time, certainly in the fall, because we don't have a football team, so I don't have a marching band. Um, 
but I'm still after school every day with, with rehearsals, just not outside on the field with re- field with rehearsals and and no Saturdays at uh, at a marching band. Um, but something that you do see at, at all, at least at all boarding schools. I can't speak for all private schools in general, but you because we're a boarding school, we have students there over the weekend um, and and over breaks and everything. And so each. Each teacher is expected to, to do uh, what we call duties, where you're taking them um, maybe on a shopping trip or maybe to a mixer. So there are, uh, there are uh, 14 or so, I don't know, weekends out of the year where you'll be helping out doing something. Um, so I, I, think it's, I think it probably all evens out with um, my time commitment versus uh, your generic high school band director time commitment. Um, but I guess it's just in a little different way. And so when you so when you started working at this place, I mean, was it what you expected? Were, were things different? I mean, what were your expectations coming in and what, what changed as you kind of went through? Oh, yeah. Well, I, I, I think it's easy if, if you don't have any uh, private school experience, I think it's easy to go in and just assume that it's um, maybe, maybe debutante or uh, – um, very highbrow society, and um, it, it was it wasn't that. It was I I was just amazed at how um, everyone was just very very kind to everyone. Um, it's kids are kids, no matter where you are, no matter no matter what school you're at, no matter where they come from. Kids are kids. The same the same things make them laugh. The same uh, good behavior, the same bad behavior. Um, but the thing that that really just stood out at my school is everyone wants to be there, and simply for the fact that at a private school, if you don't want to be there, you don't you don't have to pay the money to, to go there. You could either go to another school or you could you could go to a free public school. But everyone wants to be there, and and that's just that's such a great environment to work in. Yeah, they chose your school specifically. Yeah. Because um, I and I was there. I mean, people come and tour it and all that kind of stuff, and you get a lot of people. Like that is the school they went to. Yeah. Like they didn't. They, there was no elementary, middle, and then they, they came in in high school. It was like, it was your school all the way throughout. Yeah. Right. Um. And so, when you and so because of that too, I mean, is there a, so? But you're not teaching the lower level school, the elementary age students, right? right? You're not teaching right. a general music course at all, right? Uh, not this year. Last year, I taught general music six, seven, and eight. Gotcha. Um, so, but you do start out with a lot of beginners on their instruments or voices, right? Yes. So this year, when I made that change to teaching sixth grade band this year and seventh and eighth grade band this year, it was each each person was beginners because we didn't really have that band class to speak of. So the seventh and eighth grade class, uh, it was awesome. I mean, they were. They were incredible because they they had the maturity of the eighth graders, um, but but the playing ability of someone who'd never touched an instrument before, and so they they far surpassed where your average sixth grade class would be at the end of the year simply because they 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 know what it's about. They're they're that much more mature. They're that much bigger. So you know, trombone kid can reach sixth position no problem because they're they're eighth graders now. So yeah, I have uh, essentially that the whole middle school just finished the equivalent of what you might say is their, their first year of band class. So, and that's kind of a new development now too, right? Yes. Yeah. We went from having kind of eight, um, I would say about eight last year to having 21 this year. 
So huge, huge growth. And what I, I mean, what I saw too, it seems like you're trying to focus in the the scope of music at your institution as well. Yes, because when you yeah, got, it, when you got there, it seemed quite broad. Like everybody was doing everything, which also didn't help that you have a lot of exchange students where English isn't our first language. Sure. Um, so teaching something like an instrument it can be very difficult. So, I mean, having having that broad scope just confuses everybody so much more. And I, so you were saying you're trying to narrow down what's going down um, and try to also get everybody on the same level. So like every eighth grader is on this, you know, knows the same things. Right. Right. Go on. Sorry. Oh, well, yeah. So um, it was, you know, it's kind of two schools of thought we had. Um, before I took over the job, it was, um, you know, kind of everything, which is great because then everyone can participate. The guitar players could play in an orchestra and, um, uh, you know, you could have uh, 10 flutes if, if that's what you end up with, which is which is great. And I love that from a pedagogical standpoint of everyone gets to participate um, but the problem is that's a whole lot of extra work on everyone's part. I mean, people were writing out tabs for the guitar players, for the music. Um, that also uh, made it so, well, you couldn't find music for that instrumentation in the first place, so you're writing everything. Um, made it so you can't participate in uh, district huh. events or uh. couldn't do festival or, or, or assessment or that sort of thing. Um, and so I, I kind of came in and said, um, yeah, you know, that's great. And I'd love to be able to include those people, but, um, let's, let's see if we can refine that a little bit. So standardized instrumentation, um, guitar is great and, and we can, and I, I'm, I'm in the process of starting a jazz band. So I think that's going to be a better fit for guitar. I'm starting a guitar class next year that can potentially turn into a guitar ensemble. So there's an outlet for those people to still make music, but with now standardized instrumentation in a standardized band and standardized orchestra, um, the literature is much easier to find. Uh, it gives them a, a more true experience of playing um, in that type of ensemble. But I, I'm very big on, we'll find a way for you to participate. Just, it may not be in, in this orchestra. It may be, may be in the guitar ensemble. And that's that's more practical too. I mean, you're not going to find too often guitar sitting in the middle of a wind band, let's say, or right, or an orchestra with nine flutes in it, like you were saying. Like, and it, it's you know it it's really interesting. It's really cool to do the all inclusive, but in terms of a practicality sense of things, it's it's actually probably detrimental in a lot of ways to their education because when they get out, because we in music we actually are giving them a a marketable skill. They don't think about it that way, but it is. If they're going to go and be yeah. a dentist, they're still going to be able to play like church services or whatever. And so if we keep putting them in, we, we put students in ensembles that don't actually exist when they get out there, they don't have those experiences so they can't function within them very well. Yeah. And there was, um, there was a really good Simon Cowell quote that I'm, uh, I, I don't have the quote in front of me, but it was something to the effect of, um, Someone asked him once, um, you know, don't don't you feel bad being that mean judge on American Idol? Don't you don't don't you feel bad that you're the one that says no, no, this isn't right and and that's not good? And he said, no, um, I'm doing them more. You're doing them more harm by telling them that they sound great and that that everything they do is fine. Um, you're you're doing them more harm by encouraging that. Um, 
and and I kind of thought pedagogically maybe I'm maybe I'm doing more harm by by a, allowing that sort of um, ensemble to happen. I mean, redirecting it and finding a, a way where everyone can be successful. I think that's pedagogically what needs to happen, and ultimately, so that's what I'm trying to do as much as possible. Yeah, because the especially with the students that I saw, but it seems like the enthusiasm level for everything is wicked high with your students. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I, I don't know what that is. Maybe I'm just lucky and have, have a great group of kids. I, I don't know. But I, I think it still comes back to the people want to be at my school. And I, I would imagine that's pretty consistent at, at a lot of private schools. People want to be there, so they're willing to do the work. Well, and they're just I, – I, I just felt like a lot of passion – for music in general, especially from your older students. Um, and so that, that was really nice to see was this high level of enthusiasm. However, it did definitely like, and again, I'm talking about mainly your older students who you've had for, you know, two years, but have been in that system for, you know, much longer than that. And they just, right. and it seemed like they had some naivety ideas on in terms of what the scene is outside of the walls of their school sure um which was unfortunate to see it's but it's the good thing is like the enthusiasm level and the work ethic will get them there for sure right and they were they and i think they i think with you because you you don't speak to them in a naive way you you're, it's not like you're fluffing up these dreams or these ideas of theirs from what i've noticed so hopefully when they get out of when they get out, they kind of have an understanding of like the work ethic that is required to make things happen. I mean, yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, and I, I try to speak to them as if they're adults as much as possible. Um, and and a lot of them are coming in acting that they can be treated as adults. So I'll I'll speak to them and I, I tell them uh, I tell them how it is. I mean, academically, it's not an easy school in the first place, anyway. So sure, the students yeah. know work ethic. Right. That's for sure. So do you have – what I'm really curious about is are there any like – are there any national or statewide standards that you have to follow even though you're not a public institution? Uh, you know, I can't speak for um, uh, getting uh, the school accredited legally and all that good stuff, but uh, I do not have to follow our state guidelines Um but I, I personally do. We do have to. We have curriculum that we turn in, um, and we base everything. Uh, every, uh, the fine arts department bases everything off of our national organizations. So I'm I'm using the the NAFME goals as found on their website, um, and and everything based off of that. Then I double check with our state guidelines to to refine things by grade level. But if if you were to look at my curriculum, it's virtually identical to the NAFME guidelines and standards. And that's a, I mean, that's always a good place to start too. If you don't yeah. know what you're doing, I mean, just look at, they're there for a reason. People have picked these standards for reasons, but you don't have, but it's, you don't have to like, you don't have to take them to any sort of festival to be adjudicated or anything like that. Right. No, I don't. Would you would you ever consider doing that once the program's built up? Yes, uh, my goal. I'm hoping that this coming year I'll be able to take a group. I, my goal is to be taking all my groups. Um, one one issue with uh, the the orchestra is we are the only orchestra within, as in with strings within um, I don't know thirty forty miles. 
at the high school level. So what that means is we would have to travel outside of our district to do that. Um, so I'd, I'd have to kind of get creative with that, but at least at the middle school band level, um, I'm hoping within these next few years, I'm hoping to be there. So, so as, so are, what are, what are some of the things that you find that you found that are difficult to get along with that are just different. I mean, this is your first job, so you probably don't know really the ins and outs of a public school system. Sure. Um, but I mean, what what are some of the difficulties that you you found in in the job that you have? Yeah, uh, school size. We're, we're a very small school, and I think I think this would hold true at any small school. But a lot of a lot of public schools are are significantly bigger than us. Our graduation this morning was twenty eight students. So. Uh, yeah, being being a small school, um, and today's student really wants to be involved with everything, so that means that half your kids at the school are probably going to be on a sports team, if not more than half of your kids. And um, I think I have, I think I did the numbers, maybe 35% of the school is involved uh, in music and somehow, whether it's sixth grade chorus, middle school chorus, um, or a, a music class that takes place during the day. So if 30% and if half of the school is involved with sports, we start to get some conflicts. Um, so the first thing I did within being hired was I set up a meeting with the um, with our athletic director, and, and we have a great relationship. Um, and, and I wanted to make sure I was very positive and, hey, I'm never trying to step on your toes. I want to work around your schedule. I'm sure we can work around schedules together. And so, uh, you know, I, I do the schedule as I'm sure every music teacher does a year in advance, if not more than a year in advance. And, and I'm always including, um, athletic director, uh, uh residence life, um, with, with all of these so that we can, we can work together. But I think if, if, if I weren't doing that, we'd have some big challenges really fast. Um, another thing that I think is challenging at my school is, uh, we do have so many students that are, are not American. And so they may come into, um, they may come into school with a quote unquote English proficiency, but that's not necessarily conversational English. That's not necessarily uh, verbal English. And so, uh, one of my one of my colleagues was giving me the example of so I'll, he'll be teaching AP U.S. history and be speaking about um, you know in 1812 Congress was having discussion about blah 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 and and go on a five minute lecture and then someone would, in front row will raise their hand and say what does Congress mean, or or what does eighteen twelve mean? Um, so it's really it's it's caused me to slow down. It's and that's not me even to, it's not even like here in Florida, right? I mean, just because of where we are. I mean, sure, we have a lot of bilingual students or a lot of mm-hmm. non English, but you you can almost be guaranteed that it's Spanish or Creole, like you right. But you guys are a mixed bag. It could be we are. It could be almost anything. Out of those um, 28 graduates this morning, I think we had 11 countries represented, um, so, and I think that's a pretty pretty good cross-cut for the school. Um, so, you know, something that's really nice is very rarely are you going to have uh, one student be the only one from that country, uh, and so we have... Uh, we, we do have a, a significant number of Chinese students. And so um, these kids are super willing to help each other out and, and ready to help each other out. So it's it's pretty common that I'll give instructions to the class 
and one of my one of my Chinese students might quickly translate uh, in Mandarin to the person sitting next to her, and oh, okay, good, sit up now, great, get ready, and and so that's really nice, and forming that relationship with those students, and and being more aware of, all right, are they are they disobeying me because they're they're uh, because I don't know, there's something going on. Did they do they not agree with what I'm saying? Um, are they having a bad day, or or do they simply not uh, understand what, what I said? Are there like other cultural things too, like just in terms of behavior that you've noticed too? Yeah, sure. Um, I, I don't I don't know if I have a whole lot of. Um, specific ones but it's you definitely do see some some cultural things you know you learn in in teaching school that well a student from this culture is going to act this way and a student from this culture is going to act this way and sure that that may be true um but but you'll kind of see some specific things uh but it tends to be when the when students from one country are all together they tend to eat lunch together but uh as as they're sitting in your classroom uh, students assimilate pretty well. I mean, like I said, a kid's a kid wherever they are, wherever they're from. So for the most part, they're going to go with the flow and 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 follow others' leads. And it's a boarding school, but you guys are in the middle of downtown of the town. So I mean, are they are they allowed to wander around and have social lives? Yeah, they are. I don't know the specifics. I I don't live on campus. I'm not a dorm parent or anything. But uh, they yeah they. They are allowed off campus. I think they have to have a partner and check in every X amount of time. And there's there some any, specific places they can't go. Is there any sort of pay bump or anything like that if you do live on campus? Or uh, do they take care of your housing fees for you, I guess, or something they, like that? They do. Yeah, they do do that. Um, so your room and board is, is provided for you. And do um, they I, offer I don't that know to about you? The pay. Yeah, they did. Um, it, uh, it just wasn't really for me right when I started. Um, and then I wasn't, uh, I wasn't married yet. So we weren't sure what our living situation was going to be. And, you know, because you were, uh, we're associated with a, um, a re- with, we're a religiously affiliated school. They do not want unmarried couples living together. I mean, very understandably. So, but there, that option is there if anybody was like, you know, if it's a 22 year old guy, no responsibilities to anything, and then they're like, "Hey, we can put you up." That's that's an incentive. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And they feed you too. Like you get lunch provided for you, right? Yeah, every day, and this is all faculty um, and all staff. Uh, I gets lunch every day, and I think that's I think that's true at a lot of private schools, from what I understand. And from what I noticed too, I mean, all the faculty seems to have a pretty good relationship, young and old, in terms of how long they've been at the school. Do you think? that being able to like eat lunch together on a regular basis is a big part of that. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we're just like kids. The the best place for us to hang out with each other is, is at the lunch table. Yeah. Gotcha. So what are some things that, I mean, the school year just ended, what are some things that you're kind of excited about and working on for the upcoming academic year? Uh, so many things. So, um, I'm teaching. I just so I taught AP this year for the first time, and then next year I'm I'm back to teaching music appreciation. So so now that I know what's going into AP, I can really think from that AP perspective when I, as I'm teaching music appreciation as a prerequisite for the following year to be um, to teach AP. So I, I really know where I need to go. 
I can get a little further with that and see if I can have my kids even better prepared. Felt really good at the end of AP this year, but I'd like to feel even better in two years. Um, I'm working with a local church and seeing if I can uh, strengthen our relationship. I'm looking to do some collaboration, whether it's a side-by-side or uh, maybe we sing on uh, a Sunday morning concert, Sunday morning church service, or, or they sing on one of our concerts or both, um, any sort of collaboration. Um, I am looking at, uh, of course, growing and expanding our band and orchestra and, and, and choir. Um, just getting the numbers up every year is, is my big goal. Pay based around like how many are enrolled or do they have a flat fee that they pay every teacher for a certain amount of time they've been there? How's that work out? And that, and just in preface that like, this is going to be different at every private school. I'm just kind of, yeah. I'm just trying to give the listeners an idea of what kind of structure they can work out because I mean, public school is a government structure. Yes. So, I mean, it, it's purely based on time and a little bit of your qualifications, like if you've taken extra qual- college credits or you have a, like a master's degree, they'll bump you up a little bit depending on what it's in. But like that's one of the big parts about private schools. A lot of people get excited because they tend to pay more. Um, but I also tell I also warrant people that like that's not your that shouldn't be your main incentive because <laughs> they may not necessarily pay more. Well, none of us became teachers uh, for the paychecks. I mean, I think I think you show me a teacher that feels like they're they're truly paid what they deserve. But no, I, it's it, for here. It's pretty comparable to the local schools, the public schools. Gotcha. And is it so? Is it just kind of they they give you an offer and you accept, and then performance after there, or yeah, pretty much. So like a any regular job, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you do well, um, they'll reward you essentially. And so, I mean, so that's, that's one of the things I, I definitely wanted to make sure. Um, and I was having conversations with just people and they were talking about like, Oh, he works at a pi- private school. He probably, he probably gets paid so much. I'm like, that's probably not the case. Um, but there is a, there is a private school here in town that I know the faculty get paid very, very well. Um, but that's just, I, I re I, and I think that that's the standard here, but I don't think that's the standard elsewhere. Uh, yeah, it's, it's different everywhere from what I know. So what are, I mean, so if you're, I mean, talking, talking to the audience now, what are some things that you would say, like, you know, this is, this is why I love teaching where I teach. And this is what I suggest, for for you, if especially if you're thinking about uh, private school, because we've already had people already kind of talk about teaching in generality. So now we're looking at a specific institution, you know. So what are what yeah. are some things that what were some things that like, you know, what are some what's some advice that you would give some younger people thinking about applying to some private schools? Yeah, it's it's great. Um, you know, I, I, like I said, I never thought that I would I would end up at a private school, not because I had anything against it or I, I just it, it was new to me um but it's one of the best decisions i've made in my life um the teachers are there because they want to be there the students are there because they want to be there and um you know i remember when i was student teaching uh at a, at a public school and i remember thinking man i'm just 90 percent of what i'm doing is classroom management and maybe 10% music, maybe 5% music, maybe 5% me falling on my face as a student teacher. (laughs) And I mean, it's 95% of what I'm doing is music instruction 
it maybe five percent is classroom management. I mean, it's so great. Um, but the kids are so fun. Um, and uh, you know, I don't know anywhere else where I would get to work with so many people from so many different backgrounds. I was teaching a class last year, and and small small class sizes. But I was teaching my my introduction to music class last year. Had eight students in it, and of those eight students, I had five different countries represented. I mean, where else are you going to have that? That's that's so cool. Um, the uh, from a music standpoint, it's great. You know, I get to. So what do you guys listen to in, in China? What do, you, what do you guys listen to in Vietnam? Um, and these are students who are already interested in music, so they're coming in with more than just what you would what hear on the radio. They'll give you that as well, but they'll give you some really interesting music examples. Really neat. Really, I mean, and it is, I mean, the school you're at specifically too, it's just, I mean, I had fun in the week that I was there, and it made me... I've always had my doubts about public school music education or just music education in schools in general. And it kind of reaffirmed a lot of my excitement that I had when I was a student and what music could be. Um, it got me really, it made me really excited for the state of music education when I went to your school, especially, or just the, the state of education in general, especially. I mean, I, I wanted to talk about it on the podcast because seeing the teachers who really wanted to be there was very refreshing. Because I had just gotten off a stint of living with a bunch of teachers who never wanted to be at their job, yeah. um, and which is sad because you know it, it's such an important part of our of culture, and that if teachers are worn down like that, and your school was not that way at all, they were excited. Yeah, they were like laughing at lunch, and they weren't complaining about students. Actually, they weren't talking about any of the school stuff at all. <laughs> Yeah, it, it was it was really refreshing to see, and it's cool to see that. I mean, you have a like you have a good relationship with everybody, and every. I mean, I didn't know anything about that school when I was living in the town, and then when when I come and visit you one year, I was like, okay, everything. I mean, it's pretty much kind of what I'm expecting. And then the next year, it was a lot better, and I only assume it's going to get better and better and better. And so that's obviously a testament to you and your enthusiasm but also the students and how you're guiding them as well. Well, thank you. <laughs> so um, what advice – so do you have any other advice um, that you want to give to younger musicians trying to figure out what they want to do? This can be about anything. Um, yeah. Do you, do you have any resources or anything like that that would help them out, anything that was really inspiring to you? Yeah, for sure. So um, advice that I would give is um, you know, you're, you're never not a student. Um, I, I, some of my best times when I was student teaching was after I, I would finish teaching a lesson and, and then my, uh, my cooperating faculty would, would have taken notes the whole time and he would sit down and say, all right, well, you took five minutes to do this. Could have taken two minutes to do this or 30 seconds or, or you did this, you did this, this was successful. Why was this not successful? And I, uh, I wish I could have someone come into my classroom and do that with me now. Some, you know, a music teacher that's just uh, super experienced, but get out and, and get into other classrooms. I've, um, I've been in three, four classrooms, four other classrooms, um, in the past two years where I just contacted local teachers, music teachers and, and said, Hey, can I come observe? And I think something that's so cool about our profession is that I can't imagine there are many other teachers. I, I don't think the local English teachers ever get together and, and, 
I, I don't know, have a have a book club discussion that they do. But yet, I, everywhere you go, you have all the the music teachers from the area tend to be involved with something. Um, we have a, a really really nice wind ensemble here that. Uh, a good number of our music teachers uh, play in. We have, um, you know, they're they're going to be chorales and community community choruses or community choirs that exist um, wherever you are. That that all of the local music teachers are going to be involved in. At the very least, at your district meetings for um for your uh, for for the music teachers are going to be a great place for you to network and just ask them for help. I mean, I I asked my district rep. Um, Hey, I'm I'm new to this. Um, I would really love some advice about blank. Could you recommend something? And within five minutes, I got an email. Um, hey, I, I'm a good person, but you might want to check out this guy as well and check out this book. And and I just got in the other classrooms um, and just getting involved with other people. Um, I've played four musicals for for other schools and. Um, just uh, you know, hey, can you come play bass for my musical or whatever? Yeah, I'd love to. And now I can see how you do it, and now I'm in your school, and and then that's just a connection that we have. And you know, it, it, when I need my my snare drums tuned because I don't really know anything about that uh, to tune a, to tune all of my percussion section or something. Now I have some some resources that I can call back in when I have that. Yeah, and are you still playing in Massanutten? Yeah, yeah, I'm still doing that. So, um, you know, I'm personally personally developing as well. And, you know, by playing in, in such a high high level ensemble, y- you know, you, you're doing professional development there as well. I, I'm a better conductor because of that. I'm a better, uh, better pedagogue because of that. Isn't it ridiculous how good of a director Steez is? Uh, and he only amazing. T- he only took basic conducting in undergrad. Amazing. And well, he, he knows what he wants, and, and he knows how to get it. That's that's exactly it. That's exactly it. I mean, I think good good conductors can come from good musicians. You don't necessarily have to study it. I'm not saying it doesn't hurt, <laughs> though. Yeah, so, sure. So do you have any resources for our listeners to kind of yeah, get their so hands many. on? For sure, for sure. Um, so something that I think is, is really important – every educational classroom is you you just need you need a routine and so in the in the the chorus world and the choir world i found uh all of pretty much all of my warm-ups come from two books um i can't recommend enough and maybe it's because i met them both in person they were just such amazing people but andy beck uh, wrote a book called Vocalize. Um, that's really good because it comes with a CD. So if you're not, uh, if you're like me and you're not a piano player, you can pop in the CD and, and have them sing with that while you take attendance or or sing with them. Um, same thing with the second book, uh, Choir Builders, and I think there are a couple volumes of that. I just use volume one, but Rollo Dilworth's Choir Builders uh, also comes with a CD. Um, Dr. Christine Bass uh, wrote uh, just, uh, amazing pedagogue, uh, vocal vocal pedagogue, and has an amazing um, DVD uh, vocal transformation. But she has some a couple YouTube clips. She's just amazing, and I, I recommend getting that DVD if you're if you're a choir teacher. Um, one of the best resources, I think. I think all of us today really start to recognize the importance of YouTube. But last year I was looking up uh, choir rehearsal technique on YouTube, and I found just about the best rehearsal, and I, I think band, chorus, orchestra,
orchestra, everyone should watch this video. I've probably seen it 45 times, but Cranford High School's concert choir rehearsal. Look that up on YouTube. Anthony Raffanello. Oh, just amazing. And and so I emailed him and just another example of people who are willing to help you. I emailed him and I said, hey, you know, I, I found your, your video on YouTube and I've watched it a bunch and uh, just really wanted to say like, thank you. And I love your energy. I love your pacing. I love your professionalism. Um, do you have any advice for X, Y, and Z? And he got back to me within two minutes. I think that's really indicative of of our career, everyone wants to help each other out. We're musicians. If if we weren't willing to work with each other, uh, we would all uh, only play solo music ever. But how many people only do that? Most of us play in ensembles as well, and you know we're working together all the time. Um, uh, when I was teaching general music, the uh, the teaching general music in grades four through eight book, uh, Regaliski, I believe, wrote that. It's a it's a great book. Um, I can't recommend enough uh, the Leonard B. Smith going over into the band and orchestra world. Uh, Leonard B. Smith's Treasury of Scales. Uh, I think Alfred publishes that. Um, little known fact, it's it's written for orchestra as well. So it gets your kids playing in four part really quickly, and it's just scales with a, with a basic harmony in there. Um, everyone can do it, uh, no matter how young your band is. As your orchestra is, um, and you can and you can even have them together as full orchestra. Um, Hal Leonard has a really good series of flex band series uh, of just basic four part writing, but they'll have you know part one um, written for maybe you have a significant number of alto saxophones, so you'll have part one in E flat, but also C high and C low. So whatever your instrumentation is, you can have it covered if you have. No low brass. You could have, you know, a trumpet trumpet kid playing the B flat part four. Um, so that's that's a really good series. Um, I've started writing my own music based off of that idea, just in basic four part. That's awesome. Four parts so handy, even just to have one in your own library as a gig. Yeah, for any gig purposes. Yeah, man, that's awesome. And that's those are probably the most practical resources anybody's ever had. Normally, it's always very like philosophy books. So it's really, it's really cool. I mean, helping out a lot of people coming up, like teaching. I remember when I was flirting with the idea of being a middle school band director, teaching like teaching beginning clarinet was probably the scariest thing I you could have ever told me to do. <laughs> and so you know, it's, I can't imagine coming in and having to like teach choir and with especially with a private school, like that's going to be a huge part of it. Well, hey man, hey thanks. So much for coming on and hanging out. This is very short notice. I just called him up. I had like texted him like a week ago. I was like, hey, you want to do this? And he's like, done. Yeah, let's do it. So thank you so much for coming on and, and helping us out. Is there anything else you want to say or any other advice you want to give? Well, thank you so much for having me. It was really good to be with you. Um, just don't be afraid to ask for help. Uh, everyone's willing to help out. I, I had um, a couple buddies step in and play a couple concerts. Of course, had you in a couple times, and it's been great. Um, people love helping it, and and the community really loves seeing that um, that 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 we have these people around. And one of the cool things about a private school is. Um, they really value the arts there. They really value the culture that you bring. So do your best to, 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 to give them what they want. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Pete. Um, 
Again, guys, this is the Young Musician's Guide podcast today with Pete Eccles. I'm going to list all of his resources in the description down below, depending on whatever uh, platform you're listening to this on. But again, as always, my name is Aaron Campbell reminding you to be happy but never satisfied.